Hey, this is JJ Matat. I'm the worship pastor at Jubilee, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope it ministers to your heart and allows God to speak right to you. If you would like to know more about our church, visit jfc.org. Enjoy the message. We see trends everywhere. On the news, social media, through our friends and family. They spark up like wildfires and suddenly disappear over and over again. Laughing at because you're not going to be laughing soon. You're going to be shivering soon. You know, we're almost ready for the ice bucket challenge that's been sweeping the nation, going viral. But the Great Commission has been trending for more than 2,000 years. When Jesus Christ set in motion the words that have inspired countless people to share the Word of God. In Matthew 28, Jesus tells His apostles to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Good morning. Glad that you are here um, watching that little intro there. How many of you remember Gangnam Style? Huh? That, yeah, yeah. There's a few people. <laughs> when we were writing um, the message and um, Jonathan and Rebecca came up with the uh, name Trending, it got me thinking about different trends just in, um, just looking back in my lifetime. So you have to be a certain age to remember some of these trends, right? It'll give away... Um, like, a, like an age group, but how many of you can remember Pet Rocks? Oh, yeah. yeah, like um, who in the world was smart enough to put a rock in a box and charge $19.95 for that, huh? And if you're like, a pet rock, was it some kind of a special rock? Nope, not at all. It was a rock, and uh, you put it in a box, literally, and uh, you charge 20 bucks for it, and the person who did it made millions and millions. And then those rocks are back in someone's garden around the world today. Uh, how about mood rings? Can you remember mood rings? Here's what's funny. Trends have, you know, they have a lifespan that doesn't uh, necessarily last that long, but it's, you know, that, that saying that um, uh, all things are new again, right? All of a sudden, one of my grandkids walked up to me wearing a mood ring and was like, Papa, look at this. I bet you've never seen this. And I'm like, been there, done that. Um, how about uh, skating rinks? Woo, anybody from Denver old enough to remember Skate City? Yeah, look at you guys. That was the place where we uncool people hung out at. Uh, on the weekends. How about this last one? This one really, do you remember earth shoes? How many can remember? What were earth shoes? So some hippie at some point recognized that when you walk on the beach, your heel uh, strikes the ground first and then the front of your foot, not so much. And so they looked at that and thought, well, the natural way that we walk is that that your heel goes deeper. So they they made shoes where the heel actually sat lower than the front. So you kind of, it was supposed to be good for your posture. They were the ugliest shoes you've ever seen in your life and they sold them by the millions. True story though, my grandmother was way into earth shoes. And for Christmas, she bought all of her grandkids earth shoes, right? So I had, tells you how nerdy I was, how, this is how I ran a 5k in a pair of earth shoes and I won the race. How about that? <laughs> As a 12 year old, how about that? Um, 
having a little fun with that. But this is, this is why we chose the idea of trending. Um, can you think of any trend? And we kind of give it away with this. Can you think of any trend that has not just come and gone, but is actually for 2,000 years? Uh, if you could look at it like a stock market report, instead of it going up and down and up and down, when Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples, baptize and teach people in my name, that trend has just continued to go up without stopping for 2,000 years. It is the most prolific, the most able to count on wonderful trend in the world. Uh, I'll read it to you. It's Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm sure if you um, have spent any time around church, and it really is irregardless of the church. It could be a church like ours, non-denominational. It could have been a denominational church. It could have been something that was very formal or something that was very informal. All churches uh, see this scripture as not a suggestion. We see it as the commission, the commandment. God didn't say, if you feel like it, it was go and do it, right? And what a difference between the two. And so all evangelical churches that hold that Jesus is the Christ, that he is alive and that he is the one who is leading us today, all churches that believe that hold this to be our trending message, that we're to go into all the world and we are to preach the gospel. But then here's the big question, what does that look like? Because for so many, we, we feel like the professionals are supposed to do that. We're doing our missions week this week and next week, just a two-week time where we get to talk about what's going on in missions. And it's such an important, integral part to our church. We give a huge portion of our budget to missions around here. Uh, maybe you don't know this, but whatever you give, we take 10% of whatever is given, right? Unless it's designated towards something, but 10% of everything that's not designated, we take right off the top, we set aside, and we use that to give away. We believe in tithing off of the tithe. The benefit of that simply is that we included, when we were a little church, just starting out, it wasn't a lot of money. But as the church grew, it's well over a million dollars at this point that we give away into missions every year. The beautiful part about that is I think that God loves generosity. Uh, like the proof of how God acts towards us is never like this. I think that God always stands like this. Do you agree with that? And aren't you glad he stands like this? It's great to know that when you go to him, his answer is, here I am. You know, come to me, all who are willing. And I just think that it's a blessing that when a church understands, hey, this is the way that we should do it. Let's be like this and not like this. God can bless that. The other benefit of it is that we, we seldom, if you think about it and you go to the church, and if you were just it for a moment, other than when we take up our normal uh, tithe and offering, how often is it that the church ever comes and asks for money for a special project? It's very rare, isn't it? I, I can think, I can say, honestly, I might twice a year stand up and ask for something beyond just the weekend tithe and offering. And it's usually for some missions project. The benefit of that is that if we operate correctly with the finances around here, um, you, you ever been to the church that like has two offerings, the one that they need and then the one for everything else that they need? <laughs> we just don't believe that operating in finances is... That way is the way to go. And so we try to practice this idea of being generous, but then we take a couple of weeks out of the year and we talk about what's going on with our missionaries and we lay before you special projects that are going on. So we call this the trend. 
and the idea of going into all the world and preaching the gospel. And so we were thinking, what, what does that look like? Is it just professional missionaries that go into all the world? Or when we say the word church, we're not talking about the building here or the building across the street or Cherry Hills or Mission Hills or any other great church in our area. The church is not a building. The church is the people inside the building, right? Somehow those, those words get interchangeably mixed, but we lose the idea that the church is the people. So today, when I talk about church, I'm not talking about a property. When I talk about church, I'm talking about you. So when we get this, it, Jesus is literally saying the church should go into all the world and preach the gospel. No building can go into all the world. The people must go into all the world. But how do we see that happening? Is that for professional missionaries and professional pastors and people who are trained in how to share their faith? Are we all responsible uh, to share the hope that's inside of us. And so I got just thinking about this and meeting with my pastors this week and last week when we were putting the message together, I asked them this question, kind of put them on the spot. I said, if we really believe that we're supposed to be going into all the world and, and sharing and, and just being ready to give an answer for the hope that's in us, I, I, this is what I said to them. I said, tell me how you've shared the gospel in the last seven days. You know, and you can hear crickets, creak, creak, creak. And then it slowly started. So I, what a pleasure it is to report this message to you, man. So first, my daughter, Katie, she goes like this. She goes, well, dad, I've got a neighbor that's very, very closed off to the gospel. Her and her husband are not raised um, in any kind of a church background whatsoever. And in fact, um, as they, uh, they're very educated people, uh, responsible for, I'm, I'm, I really, I, I'm gonna stop there. I can't tell you what they're responsible for, but you use their product. I'll, I'll say it that way, right? And especially during the pandemic, they've become incredibly wealthy because of the product that they have developed and that they are responsible for, but they're very closed off to the gospel, mostly because of um, when they were growing up, going uh, through higher education, they were taught by people the evils that the, the church has committed, right? I mean, how, how wicked is that to lump, to lump all of the church into some activity that happened, you know, that, that, that's a horrible thing, right? And doesn't speak to the goodness of the church and the kindness of the church. And it, it's, it's just a strategy of the enemy. So anyway, they're very closed off to the gospel. And, and Kate and Jay have tried oftentimes to share the gospel. And, and the people are very nice. I want to give you the wrong idea. They're not, they're not mean people. They're not, uh, they're not, you know, crazed, you know, we hate the church. It's not like that. They're just not open to it. They're very closed off. And um, here, here's the thing. You know, Jay and Kate uh, live right next door to him. They're of the same approximate age. And um, sh she had had a couple of babies and then suffered some miscarriages. And um, we, we won't identify that issue inside of our church real quickly, but there's not, um, there's not a whole lot of things harder on a woman's heart than a miscarriage. It's a, it's a, it's a wound. And so she had gone through these miscarriages and so had Arcadie. And they had this in common thing. And so Kate, you know, not with the idea that I, I wanna do this in order to be able to talk to you about God. She just wanted to love on her, but she began to reach out to her. And through the miscarriage, Katie had sent her a worship song that had really ministered to her when she had gone through her miscarriage. And the girl, said to Katie, I've never heard anything like that. She said, this is what she said, it touched something inside of my soul. 
Isn't that funny how people that don't even think they have one suddenly find one? And then she got pregnant and was worried she was going to miscarriage and Katie just walked with her all the way through it, encouraged her and she had her baby and she doesn't have, you have to understand, she's not here with family, she's not here with a lot of friends. There's just not a lot of support like that. So Katie decided how great would it be to throw a shower for my next door neighbor and just put together this shower, inviting just different people and different things, and just, just, just did it, not for any other reason except to love this person. And this girl's heart has just been so open to now the love. What, what is this? How can you love me like this? And that, that's when now you can give an answer for the hope that's in your heart. Do you understand? How can I love you like this? How can I not love you like this? It's what love is. My son, Danny, he, he had a neat one. I was so glad I asked the question because it made me feel so good about what my pastors are doing too. I said, Dan, tell me how, how have you shared the gospel in the last seven days? How have you gone in the world and how have you preached? And you know, you've, you've got to know my Dan. He is funny. He's, he is who he is. He said, Dad, I was trying to watch the U.S. Open last weekend. Golf is his thing, man. He's like, and it just seemed like the kids wouldn't leave me alone. Holly needed me to do this. I'd try to watch it. Something incredible would happen. My attention was over here. And he said, they, they bought a house a little more than a year ago, and there's still things inside of the house that they have to have the builder come and fix. And so two, two men had come to work uh, on the house during the weekend while he's trying to watch the U.S. Open. It was a, uh, a, an older Hispanic man and his son working together, and um, one couldn't speak English very, very well, and, and the son could. And so they were working, and Daniel was trying to watch the U.S. Open, and the Lord kept telling him, hey, see that kid? Daniel's kind of like, hey, see the U.S. Open? And <laughs> You know, you ever, you ever been in that argument, right? Oh, good. Look at the holy people who have never had that argument in the, in the room. That's awesome. Good for you. So finally, just like, yes, Lord, I see him. And the Lord tells him, I want you to go over there and pray for him. And Daniel's like, nope, you know, come on right now. And so he got up and he walked over. He was 17 years old. And he just said to the kid, he said, hey, I, I'm a pastor. And I felt like the Lord wants me to pray for you. And, and the kid, instead of being like, what are you, some kind of a weirdo, says, yeah, that'd be great. And so Daniel said, um, I feel like, you know, I've got a word for you and explains, you know, I feel like God wants me to tell you this. And so he, he, he tells this guy the word and just the guy's heart just opens up. And Daniel said, I just, I want to pray for you. And so the guy bowed his head and Daniel said, is it okay if I lay my hands on you? And the guy goes, you're going to do what to me? Uh, yeah. You know, like if you don't speak the language, you don't know. Right. Daniel said, I just, I just want to touch your shoulders and pray for you. So he laid his hands on this kid and just blessed him in the name of Jesus and just called out who he is in God. And it was just, instead of it being this weird and awkward, and as we think about it, when I'm telling the story, maybe you can't even imagine something like that. Here's why you can't imagine, because most of us are unwilling to risk in order to see the awesome. And can I just say to you, on the other side of the risk is the miraculous. The miraculous is this close to most of us, and we always ask that question, where are the miracles? Step out, they're waiting for you. Most of us are like, if they'll just come find me, I'll step into them. It just doesn't work that way. You have to be ready to share the reason for the hope that's in your hearts. So let me just say, how many of you are hopeful today? 
Uh, me too, man. And if you think about the hope that's in your heart and that's the only thing that you're responsible to tell, it's really easy to tell people why you're hopeful, especially in the day we live in because so many people are so sure of why there is no hope, aren't they? A really neat one. And um, I, this one I recorded and I just wanna say this to you real quickly. We, di we didn't time this like intentionally. I recorded Rebecca Murley. She's got a testimony that's really powerful. It's a, it's a wonderful story. And it happened a couple of weeks ago. And so I, I recorded, I said, would you, would you mind recording it so that I could show it in each service? And um, at the time I did that and then someone else handles like the, the announcements. So we didn't plan just because it's missions weekend. It just, ha it was happenstance that Rebecca did the announcements and and I'm using her uh, in, this, in this thing. I don't want you to think it was planned, but God must have had something in mind with it yeah. because it absolutely worked out. So I want you to listen to this testimony. This is another way that we go into the world and preach the gospel. Hey, Jubilee. Um, so a couple of Friday nights ago, um, I attended, crazy enough, a um, Trump honk and wave rally on the corner of Parker Road and Main Street on a Friday night at rush hour. This was something I've never done before, but I got wind of it and I just felt like the Lord said that he wanted me to go and be a part of this. So I show up uh, with a friend of mine and her daughter and, and we stand on this corner and we're, you know, holding signs and I'm like, what am I here for, Lord? You know, you got a lot of people honking horns and a lot of people that are waving and you're reading between the lines and <laughs> shouting and yelling out of their windows and stuff like that. So we were there for um, quite some time. Uh, towards the end of the event, though, is when the story begins. And what happened was we were, uh, everybody that was there was packing up, uh, getting ready to leave and go to dinner when all of a sudden um, around the, the corner behind a building out from this, this area comes three um, young guys and they are not happy. Um, they are yelling, cursing, screaming, shouting, and just ready to make a ruckus and to let us know that they do not like us being there. Um, and they in fact come up and approach some of the other uh, participants that were holding signs, just literally yelling and screaming in their faces, um, kind of similar to some things you would have probably seen on, on the nightly news. And um, so they come up and they're aggravating. And then from the other side of this corner that we were on come two other guys. And as they approach, the crazy thing is, is they start talking to the younger guys, yelling at them. And they said, you need to knock this off right now. Like time out, stop, this is not okay. And they turned to one of the organizers and they said, we were waiting in the background watching you guys the whole time because we had a feeling that something would try to happen something would happen tonight and we wanted to be here to be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem and so that kind of blew us away so my friend and i we were literally ready to get in our car and then the lord spoke to me as all this this you know exchanging back and forth of yelling and and cursing was happening i felt the lord just say okay, now this is why I brought you here. And I'm like, to do what? And the Lord's like, I want you to pray. And so I said to my friend, I said, I wanna see if there's an opportunity to pray. Can we just wait a moment? And she was like, absolutely. So the moment came, the uh, other people who were there holding signs, they left, they got hungry, they went off to dinner. And so it was just me, 
my friend and her daughter and these five boys. And the Lord just had me go up to them and approach them. Uh, you know, I just smiled and said, hey, my name's Rebecca, what's your name? And they all told me their names. And then I said, look, this is who I am. I am a pastor. I'm a missions pastor and a prayer pastor. And I said, I go around the world. I tell people about Jesus and I pray for them. But God had me here today by divine appointment. He knew you would be here and he knew I would be here. And I said, this is the deal. We are not gonna end this night being angry or divisive or upset with one another on separate spectrums of whatever we feel politically. I am here to represent the kingdom of God and I wanna pray for you. So what can I pray for you about? And the crazy thing is, is that um, one of the kids threw his friend under the bus. He's like, well, she can pray for you. And the kid was like, what? You know, they didn't want to tell me. And he said, well, she can pray for your baby brother that's ready to be born. And I said, well, baby, that's awesome. God loves babies. Let's bless this baby. And so I invited all the boys. I said, we're going to pray for this new baby, a blessing, but you need to be in agreement with me. I said, because this is what the Bible says, when two or more are gathered together in the name of Jesus, when we agree upon something, he is there with us. So I began to pray a blessing, speak life over this young man, over his family and his baby. And then the Lord goes, now I want you to pray a prayer of blessing over each and every one of these young men, because Rebecca, they don't have it. It's why in fact they're here on a street corner, causing chaos on a Friday night. And so it was just awesome. The Lord just took over and I began to bless them and speak life into them and just say, you're the head. You are not the tail. You are above and not beneath. And that if you will put Jesus Christ first in your life, he will cause everything that you put your hand to, your jobs, your school, whatever it is, he will cause that to prosper because that is his heart for you. God loves you. And so they all bowed their heads. It, it, it was like this almost like an out-of-body experience where I'm like, what am I doing, God? You have got to fill my mouth because I don't know what to say or what to pray. And so we get finished praying and then the Lord says, you're not done yet. And to my spirit man, and I just said, okay, I'm not done yet. What else do I need to do? And the Lord said, now I want you to have them pray with you a prayer of blessing for our nation. And so we prayed together um, they were in agreement with me, repeating a prayer out loud that just spoke of love, peace, and unity over America. And um, so I just want to encourage you that if God can show up on a Friday night on a street corner or Parker Road and Main Street, he wants to show up like that in us. He wants us to bring the kingdom of God everywhere that we go and keep on trending the name of Jesus. It's, it's powerful, it's impactful, and it's when he shows up and he is on the scene that he gets all of the glory for it. So thank you for letting me share. <laughs> Nine News forgot to come and cover that. that uh, <laughs> you know, you never know when you're sharing who you're impacting, you just never know. Somehow the enemy has convinced us that what we have to say is not that important or that it will be rejected when we do, but you just never know who's listening and the impact that it might make on their life. In 1978, I was 14 years old and we were living in San Diego and um, we attended this church and uh, there was a speaker. He was a black man from the Bahamas. His name was Miles Monroe. Maybe you have heard of him. Um, he was a missionary from the Bahamas that came to America. <laughs> 
Um, it used to be America sent missionaries, and now missionaries come to America. And he had come to America to tell people about Jesus, and he was speaking at this church, and we had gone to it, and it was a, it was a really large event, man. He's actually a pretty famous person, a tremendous speaker, and just um, author, just incredible. In an event with literally uh, several thousand people, he stops in the middle of it, and he points at me. I'm 14. You know, when you're 14 and somebody points at you, you don't think, what did I do right? <laughs> you know what I mean? You think, what did I do wrong? And he points at me and he just simply, he just goes, God has his hand on your life. He said, God's calling you. And it, it hit something inside of me where I, I just, I froze, man. And I listened like I had never listened to anything in my life as he talked. And as he talked, my heart just opened up before the Lord. And he talked about missions and he talked about ministry. And he talked about giving your life to something that was greater than just yourself and just making money. And just, it, it was just so, it, I could hear God's voice when he was speaking. And when it was all over, I wanted to go up and I wanted to say to him how much I appreciated what he did. And I wanted to say to him what an impact it had on my life. But there was probably, I don't know, 600 people that it instantly got up and went to talk to him. And I was trying to wait in line, but my parents were like, come on, we gotta go. So I never had the chance to tell him, thank you for doing that. Well, fast forward, time goes by, guess what? It was God that spoke. And there were other things that God used in order to get me into that place. But years later, I'm on my very first missions trip and we're going into the Bahamas to a little island called Cat Island that is inaccessible uh, basically by anything except a boat. It's that small. It has a huge Haitian population. And what we had was the Jesus film uh, in Creole that we could show to these people and then the missionary could speak Creole and we would do all that we could. I was a youth pastor and had a bunch of kids with me and it was sort of a low impact mission trip and yet I was trying to expose them to the power of the gospel. So we fly into Nassau, right? Beautiful Nassau. And then we're gonna take a boat over from Nassau to this cat island. And the boat that we're going to go over breaks down and we're stuck in Nassau. Ooh, what a place to be stuck, right? Except if you're there with a bunch of teenagers and you're trying to do missions, that might be one of the most difficult places in the world to try to witness for Jesus because people are not there to hear. <laughs> They're there to play. And uh, long story short, we have a interrupted week and God did some really great things, but we come to the very last day and we're gonna leave that night. We're gonna fly back to the US and the missionary on Sunday morning says, uh, it's our free day and we were gonna go to the beach. And he says, would you like to go to church with me? And I'm like, dude, we kind of been doing church for the last seven days. We, we were thinking we were gonna go to the beach, but he's like, I think you'd appreciate going to my church. So I didn't want to offend the missionary. So I asked the kids, hey, would you be okay? I promise I'll take you to the beach this afternoon, but let's go to church for, go for a little while. So what we didn't know is that Bahamian churches don't have one or two hour services, <laughs> right? Like if you think we have long services, you have no idea, man. They don't get warmed up till noon and you start at eight in the morning. So we go to this church and um, make our way in. We're the only white faces in the entire church and we sit down and lo and behold, the pastor is Miles Monroe. Miles Monroe. And I, I see him and he's standing there and like 
they have this, they have like 15 greeting times during the service, right? Like they stop and for 20 minutes, you greet everybody. Then you come back and you go, first greeting, I just ran up to him. Now at this point, I'm 28 years old, right? I'm not 14. And I said, I know you're not gonna remember me, but you will remember being at this church. And in the middle of the service, you stopped. And I said, now that I'm thinking about it, you probably do it in every service you ever go to, don't you? And he, I, I don't even give him a chance to talk. But I just, I just want you to know, look at what God did. Here I am, look at these, and I'm at your church today. I'm so excited, right? And he's just all calm and proper and very educated. He's just like, oh, that's, that's very nice. And I just stopped. I said, you just never know when you say something to somebody how it can affect their lives. So I just wanna look at you real quick. Maybe you're sitting in here right now and you think to yourself, <laughs> who am I? How could God ever use me? I'm too young, I'm too old. I'm too established, I'm not established enough. I'm too set, I don't have anything going for me. I'm educated, I'm not educated. We always have an excuse for why, but I'm just sitting here. You never know when you're just looking out here, right now while saying this, that God just might put his finger on somebody's heart and say, you, 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 you. And you just might tomorrow have the opportunity to explain to somebody the hope that's in you. You just never know how opening your mouth and taking a risk can go into all the world and preach the gospel. We're so used to just, you know, <laughs> the average. We're just so used to the status quo. We're just so used to like, you know, that's, pastor, that's, that's for you. That's not for me. And I'm telling you, you're one moment away from the miraculous if you'll just step into the moment. All God wants, man, is for people who are willing to risk. All right, I'm gonna give you these four things. Um, and there's an ask at the end of this, so I need to do this a little bit quickly. Um, if you're taking the online notes, I'll give you the fill in the blanks. If you're taking just like writing them down, you know, that's great. And if you just wanna listen, it's fine. I'm gonna use the word church, but just like I said in the very beginning, the church is not this building or the building across the street or you know the huge building, Cherry Hills or Mission Hills or any other church you can think of. The, the church is not a building. The church are the people inside the building. So when I use the word church this morning, I want you to remember uh, uh, the word I could substitute is you, right? So where I put church, I could say you. So here's the first one. The church is necessary. So the way I could say it is you are necessary in this world. You're necessary. You're not just like, um, hey, a maybe or if nothing else works out. God doesn't have a plan B for how the gospel goes forward. He chose us and he eliminated all other options for people to hear about the gospel. He uses us for the gospel to go forward. We are necessary if the gospel's going to go forward. And if you're sitting this morning and you think to yourself, man, I'm just not sure that it would even work for somebody else. It worked for you, didn't it? It got your attention, it changed your life, it got your heart, it motivated you, it captivated you, it changed everything about who you are and what you do. Why wouldn't it work for somebody else too? Somehow the enemy has convinced us some way that it's irrelevant, it's not powerful, it's not positive, it's not, it's not necessary. And I'm telling you, there is no plan B. We are the most necessary force on the earth with the Holy Spirit today. We're the ones who have hope in our hearts. 
This is from the message translation, Matthew 28, 19. Jesus, undeterred by what was going on around him, went right ahead and gave this charge to his people. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What a powerful way to look at the commission, man. Undeterred by what was going on in the world, Jesus said, here's why we're here, man. Tell everybody about the hope that's in your heart. It works and they need it. So the church is necessary. You are necessary. I want to make a statement to you today when you hear people talk about the church, not the building, but the people, and they use words like the church is irrelevant, uh, the church is full of strife, uh, the church has had this, this checkered history, and by the way, what a, what a cruddy, everybody in the world has a checkered history at some point. Everything has a checkered history, right? We're human. We're, we're, we, we fail at times. But when you hear words like the church is irrelevant, it's, it's past its day, it's past its age. I want to challenge you to look at that lie and see it, what it really is. Find any crisis in the world and tell me who's first in and last out. It's believers in every situation. It's always believers. It's not a government. It's not some NGO. It's not some, it's not even the Red Cross. The first in and the last out of every crisis in the world, it's always believers, man. Check it out. When the earthquake in Haiti happened 10 years ago, it wasn't Bill Clinton who went in there and made a difference. It was the church. We were first on the spot. We stayed there and last out. The church is necessary. Don't believe that lie that its best days are behind us or that it is no longer important. It is the most important thing going on today and somehow the enemy has veiled it and hidden it. <laughs> How about this? When the church prospers, so does the community around it. There's a scripture that I'm going to read to you that every day in my office, by myself, I say this out loud to remind myself of why I'm here, what I'm doing, and why it's important. Look at this right here. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord and with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, and it also grew in numbers. Here's what that scripture is saying. As the church grew and became stronger and it prospered, all the communities, wherever the church was, grew and prospered and became stronger. Buildings don't get better. People get better. Man, when we prosper, the community prospers. Peace follows us. Prosperity follows us. Joy follows us. All that God has follows when the people of God walk into a situation, man. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget what God is doing with you. Here's the second one. The church, you are agile. I love this word. We never get a chance to, to talk about this. James 1.1, look at this real quickly. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, here's what I want you to see. To the 12 tribes scattered amongst the nations, here's greetings. So here's what's happening. Rome was the most powerful nation on the face of the earth at the time that this was written. Rome made it illegal to be a Christian, uh, to follow Christ. Not only that, there were other sects of Judaism that hated Christians because they thought this is going to be the end of Judaism with all of these people converting to being followers of Christ. So they made it illegal for, for believers to meet together. They, they, they made it illegal for believers to pray together. And then they actually turned against them. They began to hunt Christians. So Christians end up being scattered and dispersed all over the world. And they're thinking, ha ha, we've chased them out and we've got, it's the worst thing they could have done because 
through the blood of martyrs, we grow exponentially, man. When we are pressured, we don't shrink, we grow. So here's my point to you. This was 2,000 years ago. How's Rome doing and how are Christians doing today? Rome's a do-nothing backwater, almost third world country. Believers today make up the greatest portion of people groups on the face of the earth. Well, you didn't even understand what I said, because if you did, you'd have to be standing on your feet cheering right now. It's powerful what God has done. It's powerful. Man, we are agile. If you don't believe that the church is agile, how in the world did we survive the last seven months? All over the world, we're shut down, we can't meet, we're closed down, we have to go to television, we have to go to video, we, we, we have to find ways for, and guess what? We don't shrink, we are ministering to more people over the last seven months than I did in the last 21 years pastoring the church. The church is the most agile thing in the world and God made it that way. I want you to think about this, man. When the church gets under pressure, they can meet in homes, they can meet in jails, they can meet in buildings, they can meet online, they can use books, they can do it out in the open, they can do it with a few, they can have thousands. The church is the most agile, wonderful, adaptable thing in the world and God made us that way because it's his plan to let the world know that he loves them. Ooh, something in my heart is excited for the church, man. I'm excited about it. And the church is not a building, it's the people. The church is relevant. Acts 1.8, look at this real quick. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of what? Man, Jesus' words, they were accurate, they were powerful, and they're still in effect today. It's still trending today. The church is relevant. Let me tell you what the media actually fears. The media fears believers who are committed to their cause because believers will die for what they believe in. Dude, we will rescue, we will stand in the gap. <laughs> we will do what everybody else is afraid to do. Now, I love this next part, and maybe you're just gonna think, Pastor, I, I just, sometimes you, you aggravate me, sometimes you throw me, sometimes I'm so mad at you. Aren't you glad at least you don't live here, leave here untouched by me? You know, I, maybe, maybe I do aggravate you, maybe I do bless you, maybe I encourage you, maybe I challenge you, but at least you don't leave here dead, right? At least you know you're alive when you leave this place. So there's a young man, <laughs> um, I, I'm, I, I don't want to mess his name up. Huh? Foyt. Sean Foyt. Yes. Now, uh, I, so why would you be afraid to mess? If you saw how his last name is spelled, you'd understand why I don't want to mess his name up, right? The whole message would be over right at that moment, right there. Okay. Sean Foyt. Uh, all, he's a worship leader. Um, he's good. He's not as good as what we have, to be honest with you. Um, uh, yeah, he, he, he's good, but he, he's really smart because he came up with this. He put the word protest in front of worship. Now follow me for just a moment. The one thing that the press and the government is afraid to touch today is protest. Like everything else, they'll shut down. Everything else they'll close. Everything else they'll say, you don't have a right to do that. But if the word protest is there, they'll, oh, hey, stay away from that. So this guy, in a genius move, puts the word protest in front of the word worship so that the government won't touch the worship. 
So he's going all over the country, John, listen to this, all over the country doing protest worship. This is happening, it was in Colorado two weeks ago in Colorado Springs and Fort Collins, thousands of people. So I've got three clips that are about 15 seconds each of different cities where this protest worship is going on. Watch this, it's really cool. saying the music's not that great is it <laughs> i mean you weren't like oh that's awesome i mean i told him we, I, but they put the word protest in front of it and he's going all over the country he was in washington dc just this weekend leading tens of thousands of people together worshiping God. Now, all you see in the media and in the press are all the people who somehow are doing things that they shouldn't, burning and looting. Do you know that there are far more people for this country than against this country, far more people who love God than who don't love God, and far more people today who get what the Holy Spirit is doing? And we've let the media box us in and make us afraid, and we're so like, oh, it's over. It's not over. Dude, it's not even begun yet. Our greatest days aren't behind us. They lay in front of us, man. And God is waiting on the other side of risk is the miraculous. Yes. Look at that right there. Thousands gather with cruddy music. <laughs> Here's the last one for the fill in the blank. The church is alive and well. Matthew 24, 35. Look at this real quick. This is Jesus. Heaven and earth will pass away. Look at this but my words will never, say it with me, my words will never, one more time, my words will never, look at me, the church is alive and well. Everything else that you see, that you touch, that you smell, that you hear, it's all gonna fade, it's a trend, and before you know it, it's gonna be forgotten about. But the one thing that will never be forgotten, the one thing that will remain for eternity is what Jesus said, go into all the world, Kathleen, take a risk for me. Open your mouth and tell people about the hope that's inside of you make disciples. People today are lost and they're hurting. They're confused. They don't know who they are or why they are. And they're being told by everybody else that it's all accidental. And here our God is standing, yelling through his church. It's all on purpose. Nothing is accidental. Your life matters, man. Nothing is by accident. It's all intentional. And if we find purpose and meaning, then we can walk with direction towards things rather than letting other things set the agenda where we wonder what in the world is going on today. Shouldn't the church First, be the one going, hey, follow me. I know what's going on today. Did you get it? The church, not the building. The people are alive and well. Do you know the fastest growing churches in the world today are in Iran, China, and Africa? Iran, China, and Africa. Think about that. The places where it's illegal to be a church. The place where you can be killed for gathering. The fastest growing churches in the world today are in Iran, China, and Africa. We sit here, you know, so much is said in a negative 
connotation about our country today. Let me show you the most amazing thing. Watch this. Jesus is alive. Jesus is real. And Jesus is saving. Wait, wait. Nobody arrested me. Nobody took me away. Nobody threatened me. You still live in the most incredible place in the world to be living right now, man. Don't you forget it. Other places where they can't say that out loud for fear of their lives, we can still stand up and say it. You know, recently, this is, I'm going to make a transition to an ask. This is, listen to this. Um, there's some things when this series is over that I want to begin sharing with the church. If you heard last week, I spilled the beans a little bit intentionally about where I see our future going and some things that have been in my heart for a long time. There's something that I want to build, something that, that we're to go to, something that I know is going to be so awesome. If you didn't hear the message, go back and listen to it. But in the next few weeks, I'll start talking about the future and what I want to see happen. And um, one of the things that I, I knew it was the time, our office building, not our church building, but our office building, um, we had a, a group of investors out of the blue just approach us and asked us if we'd be interested in selling it. We have a lot of money in that building. And, you know, I, I just felt like it was the Lord saying, it's time, John, just I'm going to do this. It's time. So we're going through the process and we hired um, a, a commercial real estate person on our side. And Todd and I sat down with him in my office and we just told him about what we're trying to accomplish and what we wanted from him. And then we did the most unusual thing. <laughs> uh, his name is Adam. I said, Adam, I just want you to know God's gonna make you look really good because he's on our side and he's about to bless us. You're not gonna have to hardly work for what God's gonna do and it's gonna make you look really smart. But Todd and I know the truth. God's the one, man. So we're going to lay hands on you, friend, and we're going to bless you right now. And we're going to call for things that you don't know. And through this, Adam, God's going to show you how powerful he is. So Todd and I, man, we, we take our real estate guy. I mean, what's he going to do? He wants to go to work for us anyway. So we lay hands on him. <laughs> And we're prophesying over him, man. And we're calling God's goodness down on him. And I'm a weeper. When the Holy Spirit touches my heart, I just, I weep. So I'm weeping while I'm praying for this God. And I open my eyes and dude, he's wiping tears away from his eye. It was just some, listen, on the other side of risk is the miraculous Max. We're so worried about how we look and if someone's gonna think we're foolish, they think you're foolish for being here anyway. So prove them right, man. Just go for it. All right, let me connect this. I, I have a vision that I wanna share and I started last week kind of talking about our future. And if you heard the message, you heard me talk about a dream that Chris and I had. It was miraculous. And that the timing is now to start pushing towards this ministry center in combination with our church. And I, I, um, <laughs> I had it in my mind of how I was going to stand up and lead that in front of you. And I was... Um, I would never ask you to give anything or to sacrifice that, you know, that I'm not willing to lead that. And um, 
the Lord's been really kind to me. One of my hobbies is motorcycles, and I've had several Harleys through the years. But the most incredible thing is that um, I don't hold them like this. I hold them like this, and I've used those Harleys multiple times. One time, I used one in a raffle to bless a mission. We raised, I, I think it was fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars off of a motorcycle, and we gave it all away to Peru to a bunch of orphans in Peru. Uh, and I've done that with several motorcycles, and I've got one right now that's like my dream bike, man, the one that I've waited my whole life to have. And it's just, and how did I get it? Someone gave it to me. And so here's what I was going to do in a few weeks when I shared the vision for where I want to go. I was going to say, hey, I I'm going to lead by sacrificing something that means a lot to me, and yet it doesn't mean more than doing what God wants me to do. It will never mean more. And I hadn't decided yet, I hadn't worked it out, like would I, would I raffle it off or would I just sell it outright? How was I gonna do it? But I was going to make it a public demonstration, not to pat me on the back, but to say, look, I would never ask you to do something that I'm unwilling to do myself. And I will sacrifice something that matters to me to accomplish the thing that I feel like God wants us to go to. So I had this, I was gonna work and it was gonna be so polite and it was gonna be so like, I had, in the, my mind I saw it, right? And then I stand up here last night and I need to make an ask for our missionaries. Because if you think that the last seven months have been difficult for you or for our nation or for a restaurant, you have no idea what the last seven months have been for our missionaries. Most of them have been cut off from the world and people can't get in or out. And the demand, some of them are feeding people right now and literally having to make from nothing more than ever before. With some of our missionaries in Africa, they're going to garbage dumps and they are picking up babies that have been discarded because parents can't feed them. That pastor, uh, this, is, this is church? <laughs> You're offended by that? Yeah, we go through some difficulties, but we have six missionaries and ministries that we want to draw your attention to. In Peru, Larry Good, the founder of Lost Children of Peru, has a feeding program where he continues daily to feed thousands of the poor. And when I say poor, you... Brazil has been hit with one of the largest cases of COVID-19 behind the US. They're the second largest per capita. Our missionaries there are working hard to keep vulnerable women from being sold on the street. Men are selling their wives for food. Like Brazil, our ministry partners in Kenya are avidly working to bring food security to women and children, partnering everyday skills once they're enrolled into their food programs to help them step out of poverty. Our ministry partners in South Africa are recovering babies after they've been discarded in the trash dumps of Johannesburg. They're taking team moms 
and helping them with education and to find a home for their babies. Currently in India, our missionaries are building a home for the mentally and physically disabled to ensure a place for them to stay. Oftentimes their families, because of the caste system in India, these individuals who are special needs are discarded and their families can't afford to care for them. And one of our missions pastors, Pastor Sabi, who's from India, who's never ever come and asked me for one dime. He does it all himself. He raises the money himself. He won't come to me and ask for it out of our budget. And he's building a home right now for special needs children in India. And he's built several for different things, but this is for, for special needs children. And then he didn't tell me this. I had to find this out through the grapevine. He's naming it after my son who is special needs. You know, my son, all of my children, except one, I can't go there right now. In the neighboring country of Nepal, our ministry partners are rescuing children and women from being trafficked in the sex trade. They're helping to restore hope and identity to people's souls. Would you please prayerfully consider not just partnering in prayer, but financially, would you give to these missionaries and these ministries? Here's what Jubilee will do. We will divide equally whatever is given unless you are motivated and moved by a specific ministry we will equally divide up amongst all these ministries whatever is given unless you designate something to a particular one. We'll make sure it goes there. And those of you who go to our church know how it is. We don't take out overhead. We don't take out whatever you give is exactly what we're going to give. All right, so now let me try to put a bow on this real quickly. <laughs> so I have it in my mind that a couple of weeks from now, I'm gonna share my heart in the future. And it's, it's awesome. And what God's gonna do, what it, you don't know how blessed you are to be a part of what's about to happen. You just don't, you don't know. And I had it all worked out. I'm gonna put the motorcycle up and I'm gonna lead this thing. And I'm standing up here last night and the Lord goes, why don't you take care of the things that are in my heart and I'll take care of the things that are in your heart. So change of plans. I'm gonna sell the motorcycle or auction the motorcycle. I don't know, because it all just happened last night, but I'm gonna give all the money to our missionaries. And then whatever's supposed to happen for us in the future, God can take care of us, Amen. right? He'll take care of it. And if it doesn't get done, it's more important to take care of this than it would be to even build a building in the future. But I think God can do both things. Yep. Yes. But he literally told me standing up here last night, listen, Take care of what's in my heart and I'll take care of what's in your heart. Okay, God, you can have it. You can have it all, as a matter of fact. You can have it all. Please, it doesn't make me a good guy. It doesn't make me anything whatsoever. It, it makes me an obedient servant. It's all about our God. It's all about how good he is. It's, it's, it, it, it sounds like, oh, pastor sacrificing something that is really important to him. Oh my goodness, not. <laughs> you know what's really important to me is to be pleasing to my father. 
What's important to me is to live the life that he called me to. What's important to me is to be in that place where he controls everything in my life. A motorcycle is not important to me. And my house is not important to me. And my jacket is not important to me. Although I like this jacket too. <laughs> What's important to me, man, is to be a church, not a building, but a group of people that God can move and can touch and can use. We can change the world. 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 You can change the world. You can change the world. You don't have to sit there like, hey, if you knew my situation, pastor, I'm in need. Look at me. Take care of what's in God's heart and watch him take care of what's in your heart, man. Watch. There's a shelf life on what I'm saying, just so you know. And if you're like, you know, pastor, you're good with words and you can touch something, but it, it, it's like, um, it, it's emotions. Knock that off. God gave you emotions and he has to use emotions because emotions are what captivates a person's heart. And if he gets your heart, he'll get your brain. But you can actually have someone's brain and not have their heart. Did you know that? And God wants both. He wants your intellect and your passion because when those two things come together, kaboom, baby. Kaboom. Hashtag that one. Kaboom, baby. So there's no twist here. And there's, no, there's no manipulation whatsoever. I realize that most of you did not come prepared to give today. So here's what I really want you to do. I want you to go home and pray about it. I want you to ask the Lord if there's anything that you should do with this, if there's any type of giving that you should do. And, and I want to caution you. Don't go, I'm just going to divert my tithe. Don't do that. That helps nobody. This is giving that we go, hey, God, where do you want me to pull from? You know, I'm 15, it's 1030. Can I give you one more story? I'm just really proud about something. Like if you say, no, I'm going to do it anyway, but at least, you know, <laughs> just agree with me. One more story, right? This is about my wife. I'm so proud of her. So Chris, you know, this, <laughs> we're spoiled. So, uh, our garage, we want to paint our garage. You know, not a big deal, but we wanted to paint it. And so Chris, she's been setting aside money from her budget in order to get the money together to paint the garage. And she saved up $1,000. It took her several months to do it. She saved it up, right? Because this is like, you know, this is like the excess of the excess. Painting your garage is very low on the need scale, right? But she saved it up and she wanted to do it for my birthday. And so last night when I stand up here and the whole thing happens with the motorcycle, I see her weeping. And I don't know if it's okay for me to do it. So I look at her and I'm like, is it okay if I, if she doesn't know what I'm out to, she goes, it's okay, just go for it. So I tell her, you know, I'm gonna do this with the motorcycle and she's just weeping and we get home and she goes, I, the Lord told me to give that thousand dollars. Just the one that I was gonna paint the garage. Is it okay with you? Oh, come on, baby. <laughs> a, a painted garage or a kid eats. Like, like how hard of a decision? Well, now let me pray about it. You know, I'm just going to throw it out to you and I'm just going to be very bold. I'm not asking for me. I'm not asking for this church. I'm not asking for our project. I'm asking for people in the world who need sustenance. I'm asking to rescue people. I'm asking to help us go into the world and preach the gospel. Would you pray about that? And whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to do, will you do that? Is that fair? Yes. Okay, that's all I'm asking. So Lord, I bless you and I love you and I thank you uh, for this opportunity. And you can do in our hearts whatever you long to do, Father God. 
Lord, we want to take care of what's in your heart, knowing that you'll take care of what's in ours. And it's an honor to be able to do that. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 